0: 18, huh? Well, just so if you don't know, I'm. my name is Tony. I don't know everybody here, but there's some people that I do know. I still consider Chicago kind of my home, but the people my home. And uh, after 42 years, my wife uh, so willingly accepted <laughs> the challenge to move to southern Indiana. And uh, We joke around and we we talk about how we went from dodging bullets to dodging moths the size of bats, you know? And uh, we actually moved into a rural area uh, where there's land and uh, we we don't even leave our dog outside without a a leash because there's eagles and hawks and we don't want them snatching them up and and taking off, right? So it's uh, it's a big difference. It's a big change. And, And coming back here... Um, it's hard because you start to get used to um, no traffic. You get used to people waiting their turn. You get used to having a little space between you and the car in front of you and nobody's going to just jump right in. And you get used to parking, you know. And those kind of things you just you take, you take for granted. But when I see the faces here, uh, just talking to some of the people and, and seeing some family last night, I just it, it's good uh, to be home. And uh, I'm here not from some special messenger or anything like that. There's great men at this church, great qualified men at this church um, that I look up to and uh, can call a brother, but uh, I am grateful for the privilege that Pastor Eric had uh, given me to share with you this morning, all right? So again, 42 years of Chicago, married to my wife, now 20, going to be 22 years, and uh, we have five kids, Um, only two of them are here right now. Actually, we have an extended, my daughter-in-law, but she's my daughter. And uh, we have others that are all over the place right now. But um, I'm grateful that we have a God that is faithful. You know, I hope you like the title. I just came up with that. You know, I, I just, I, I, saw, I saw, oh, I said hope. Okay, uh, hope is alive, right? And I said, hey, put that up. That's, that's a, it's a, good, it's a good topic uh, for today. But no, uh, seriously, I, 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 I am praying that God will impart in you what he has in me in this time of toiling and praying and getting sick and breaking out because of bringing the word of God is a serious thing, right? And we're going to find ourselves today in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 12. It's easy, right? Romans 12, verse Twelve. I got 15 minutes, so we're going to go fast, right? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. When do you you end service here? Is that right? An hour? Wow. I can talk a lot, too, but I want to stay focused here. (laughs) Romans 12, 12. Real simple, three things. If you have your lexicon, your... Commentary, your Bible dictionary—you're gonna need all that today. No, you're not. It's gonna be real simple, real clear message, and it's what Paul is telling the church here in Rome. And it starts with this: Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That's it. I'm, if you want more, I can say it again. Uh, Verse 12, chapter 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of coming together at a place that we have separated, not like any other building, but to dedicate a place of worship for you. But we also thank you, Lord, for the privilege because of the cross where Jesus had displayed his broken body on, on our behalf, that because of his sacrifice, we are now made right with you, those that trust in Jesus. And we thank you because of your perfect plan and because of the sacrifice that you now give us your Holy Spirit that allows us to have now the power of God to live it out here on earth. And I thank you for the people of God that are here today that help and spur each other on to stay in this race. We thank you again and we ask Holy Spirit that you lead this time in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Yeah, silence silence your cell phones. Hope Tribulation, prayer. You no, know, it's troubling to hear about all the teenage suicides that are taking place. You ask yourself, what makes them get to a place where they don't want to live anymore? No, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. In 2017, 47,000. 173 Americans died of suicide. In 2017, there were 1,300,000 suicide attempts. It sounds like we have an epidemic of hopelessness, right? A place where people are just saying it's not worth living anymore. How can I continue to go on? You know, Paul reminds us, as he's so eloquently expressing how we are to live our bodies, right? To give ourselves as a living sacrifice, honorable unto the Lord, renewing our minds. And then he starts collectively talking about the church and how we are to live with each other. But then he just kind of stops right in the middle of this chapter and tells us rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And what else? Stay constant in prayer. Paul's reminding us that we need hope and hope is commonly used to mean a, a wish, right? Like, like I wish I get this for Christmas. You know, I, I wish I get this car. I wish I get this uh, uh, check or whatever. I wish I get this job. Its strength is in the person's desire. But in the Bible, the hope is a confident expectation of what God has promised. And its strength is in his faithfulness, not ours. You know, I've, I've been married now uh, two decades and I've proven to my wife that, that uh, she can't depend on me all the time. <laughs> I'm going to fail her. Right? I, I can't meet every expectation of hers. And at parenting, I think I've done the same thing. I've graduated in that. My kids know that I'm not going to be able to do it all for you, I'm not going to be able to meet all your needs, I'm not going to be able to save you from every uh, situation. I, 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 I'm just me, I'm not perfect. But you can put your trust in the perfect one that your dad puts his trust in. And that's in Jesus Christ. Because we're putting our hope, right, on what he has already done. You know, there's a, a recent story in the news. It was actually in the summer of 2018 about a soccer team in Thailand that uh, got caught in this cave. Twelve young boys and, and one coach And what they were doing is, you know, before the season, you know, they went to this ritual and and, and they go to this cave that it's not like nobody goes to this cave. It's a cave that has like railings and people normally go to this kind of thing. But they tell you, do not go at this time of the year in July because of the rain and the flooding that takes place in there. And so as they're going down into this cave looking for the perfect spot to, you know, put their name on there and whatever the year, and we're going to do this, whatever, But the soccer team, they find themselves now trapped because the water starts to rise, and now they have no way out, and they're two miles in this cave. Nobody packed lunches. Cell phones, good luck. All they had was a few pops and energy drinks, right? They had a little flashlight because of what they were using as they were going through these tunnels, but then that's it. You know, the, the body, though, can go without food for a while. It really can. You know, I don't know about you, but when I get home from work, I feel like I'm dying. Oh, I'm starving. I'm, like, attacking everything in the cupboard. I'm just, like, eating like crazy, right? And when you pick up your kids from school, right, they're like, like animals. Like, they haven't eaten, like, all day, and they just want to consume, consume, consume. But realistically, we can go without food for a few days. More than a few days. As a matter of fact, Jesus proved that you can go 40 days without it. But water? No, we need a little bit of water. We need something to drink. So they were taking their turns drinking stuff. But hope? If you don't have hope, you're done. You will soon find yourself maybe, hopefully not, in one of these statistics that we read about earlier. Because when you have no hope, you'll do anything. You know, living in... in, uh, In Chicago, one of the things that was most scariest is when you had a young man that had no care. He had no hope in the world, so he basically said, I don't care, you give me the gun, and I'll go ahead and do it. It wasn't that he didn't care, it was that he lost hope in whatever he thought his life was going to be, and so by there, he just took on another form, and took another cause, and said that this is worth it, and I'm going to go this way. We need hope so these guys were trapped in this cave. And you guys, you know, you look it up. It's, there's all types of stories. And they were saved nine days later by Navy SEALs. Thailand Navy SEALs came in. Actually, divers from all over the world came to help them out. And they, they took them out of there. But they were in a, in, in a situation where they had a little bit of water. Uh, they had only like a few, uh, few lights, no food. They were what? In a hopeless situation and hope is about living right it's about us wanting to live it's an expectation that god in his time and way is going to deliver his promise you see the path of hope begins with the full assurance that you are right with god because if you're not right with god then what hope do you have like like what really Are you hoping now for a better day? Are you hoping that you're going to get your act together? Are you hoping that, like, you know, the government's going to do something for me? Are you hoping that, you know, money's just going to fall out of the sky? I mean, what are you putting your hope in that you can actually stand on and it's going to propel you into this next season of your life? These guys had nobody but God to help them. And they talked about the the only thing that they did was they, they, they continued to try to dig, trying to find ways out, and then they would stop only to meditate or pray, and then they would take little sips of water just to keep each other going. But you know what the coach did? He just kept telling them, every hour, we're going to get out of here. It's going to be okay. Somebody's going to come get us. You know, we're we're not going to die here, right? And I don't know what everybody's going through today, but I'm pretty sure with the amount of people that are here that somebody's in a season where you're thinking that this is not going to end. I'm not going to get out of here. And you don't need another sermon. You just need somebody to come next to you and say, you know what, sister or brother, you're going to be all right. And I'm not saying that falsely, like you're just going to be all right. You're going to be all right because God is victorious. God has already beat it death. His promises are for us as children of God, that he has not left us or forsake us, that he's working his perfect will through us in this season. Sometimes we don't need another sermon. We just need somebody's hand. We just need somebody's hand to walk us through this season that we're in in our life. And what hope, though, can we share other than what Christ has done already? Because if you're just sharing hope in yourself, you're going to fail, right? Hey, I've, I've, I fail, guys, all the time. And like, like Bruce said, you know, about putting goals, I'm the biggest goal guy. I, I put goals all the time. I Text my, my kids, hey, get ready for 2019. You know, what are you throwing away in 2018 and, and, and embracing in 2019? And it starts in 2018. I always tell them, it doesn't start the January 1st. You start then, you're behind. You got to start now and start moving through the next year, accelerating, not just starting. You know, we do too many things at the end of the year. That's why I couldn't find statistics yet in 2018 about the suicide is because we ain't done yet. And during the holidays where it spikes, People are alone. People are at a place where they thought that it was just too much for them this year, and so we're about to see some more numbers take place. There's, there's hopeless people. I was just doing some work at, at uh, I work retail, and uh, we were putting some things away, and I asked somebody. I said, "Man, who who built this like uh, this structure that we were like packing away all these uh, these items?" And they said, "Oh, it was one of the the you know the leadership here." And I said, "Where are they at?" Yeah, he said, "Oh, they killed himself." What? They killed himself. I said, oh, a few months ago, nobody even knew anything. Like, no, it, it, they never saw it coming. They thought everything was just okay on the surface. But inside, something was really wrong. And this person just took their life. Right? So it's, it's more like in our community than we think. It's not just a statistic that you're reading, but there's hopelessness all around. But we as people of God, we don't put our hope like everybody else do. We put our hope in who? In Jesus. Put our hope in God. Put our hope in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Things that have proven the test of time. Right? And so, again, Paul is, is, is saying to, to rejoice in, in hope, right? Therefore, in Romans chapter 5, it starts with with, with our our... our salvation i would say our assurance that we are right with god romans chapter 5 verse 1 to 3 therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of god see god wants to build lasting hope in us Lasting hope in us, not temporary hope, not things because of the current situations, but no, lasting hope, a hope that is founded on the finished work of Jesus Christ, a hope that is dependent only on God to fulfill a way of escape. Hope is not a feeling, it's a path, and the path is through affliction, pain and suffering. If somebody told you that come to Christ, everything is going to turn all gravy. Marriage is going to be great. Kids are going to be great. Bank account is going to be great. I'm here to tell you they lied to you. That's a false gospel, all right? You actually now get moved to the front of turmoil in your life. <laughs> you get to like experience all types of, of trials. And there, there, I, I call it the three types of tribulation. I mean, I'm not going to tell you where that is. This is my experience is that, you know, there's a, there's a tribulation that comes from somebody else, my wife called me uh, uh, a year, year ago. She says, I'm just parked here at, at a stoplight. Somebody rear-ended me. She did nothing wrong, right? But somebody, boom, rear-ended her. And now, you know the biz, right? Insurance, go to the, go to the uh, police station, fill out reports, go get estimates, call that, schedule a rental, do all that. You know, all this stuff. But it wasn't our fault. It was somebody else's fault. Parents? I'll tell you right now, your kids are going to bring turmoil in your life. Tribulation is going to come. And you'll be saying, all I, all I did was work. I went to work and came back and, and this is upside down now in my life. Spouses, same thing. Your spouse may bring turmoil into your life. Right? And then there's us. We do it all by ourselves. I tell people I can do bad all by myself. I don't even need the devil. I don't need anybody. I can do bad all by myself. I can mess it up real good. I'm an expert at it. You know, I, I, I bat and you you can, you can really mess things up yourself, right? And it's funny, like, I, I've been to marriage retreats, and I've been to uh, uh, just men's retreats. And the guys are, like, you know, doing all kind of crazy stuff and hitting each other. There's different smells in the guys. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But then in marriage retreats, you see the guys, like, <laughs> just looking straight ahead, you know, focused. This is good. It's good stuff. Right? It is not good for man to be alone, right? (laughs) And so it's just a, 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 a difference there. I mean, guys can really get into trouble, right? Ladies too, right? And then there's an adversary that we have. The devil, fallen angel, doesn't sleep, ready to come at you all the time. And he's waiting for you to snooze. Waiting for you to take your eye off the cross and put your put your eye on yourself—that you can do this all by yourself. You don't need Christ. You can do it, all right? I was uh, talking to one of the guys about my lawn. Got this big property, and there's like tunnels all over the place, piles of like mud sticking up and everything. And and I and I tell you, I cut the grass. I I I I do all the things that I can do, but I have these these moles that are just destroying my, my lawn. And it's not just mine, but you start driving down uh, the neighborhood and you see them all over the place. they're just destroying everybody's his lawn, you know? And so I'm the kind of guy that, I, you know, I, I won't kill something unless, like, I really have to. Like, if I got to eat it or something like that, you know, that's fine. Let's, let's kill a deer and a chicken, right? But I'll kill a mole just because I want to kill it, you know? I just want to see it die. I want to see it suffer, you know? It, it's just, it, it, they haunt me in my sleep. And it's just like, what, is, what, what are these things doing? And so I, I started studying more about how do you, you know, kill these things. And so one of the things you have to do is that you have to look for a fresh tunnel. And what you'll see is a little pile out of the, uh, the ground. You see like dirt, like a little dirt pile. And so you feel with your feet and you try to feel, okay, this is, there's a tunnel here. And so you do is just smash them, to smash the tunnel as much as possible, right? Then the next morning... If you see that they're now still, it happens again, then that's an active tunnel. That's an active tunnel where they're still using that tunnel to continue in their little colony in my lawn. Right? Getting access here and there and all that. Right? And so the next step is you get a trap. Some people may not like this, but hey, this is what it is. You get a trap and then you, you put a trap in the way of the tunnel so when they go through it, they activate the trap and then it snags them. And then they die, they panic, they lose hopelessness, and they, <laughs> they, they go on to be and go for heaven, right, or whatever. And so when I was doing this, you know, and, I, and this is what I've, I've been doing. I got more traps. on waiting for the new season because now they go a little further down into the ground. I'm waiting for the spring to come so I can, can do this. But this is the way the devil works. The devil looks at all the ways that he can get to you And he may not be using the same way that he used a year ago, a month ago. But what he'll do is he'll test it to see if you're still going down that tunnel. And when you hit the alert button on him, now he knows, I got him. Temptation? Internet? Internet is the biggest. I mean, if you can literally be at a place where you can break away all airwaves and just be you and your Bible, you're still going to sin. But you'll be able to block away all kinds of other things. But when you walk around with these smart devices and everything else, it now brings you all types of avenues where the devil now can find a way to destroy you. And I'm not just talking about pornography. I'm talking about affairs. I'm talking about all kinds of different issues, things that we we're watching and, 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 and actively hearing. And then it's funny because I, I, I look at this, not funny, but I, I look at this and I'm like, man, this really is how the devil works. It's not rocket science. And I'm thinking, this mole, wouldn't they figure out that, like, hey, there's something metal sticking in my tunnel, you know, oh, don't go through there. No, it'll go right through it, and it'll get snagged. Because why? Because it's already become a place of transfer. It's known already for them, and they keep going through it. It's because they they feel like they have to go through that way. And so I'm telling you now, some of you may be in a place right now where the devil was ready to snipe you, ruin you. Affect you in a way that you're like, you think that it's just underground that nobody's going to see. But what happens is that there's a dead carcass under there and eventually it's going to smell and it's going to show itself. Maybe in 2019, God just needs to bring everything in the dark into the light. So that you can at least start fresh and say, man, let's start with a new start. You know, instead of hiding everything, because you can't move on with lies. You can't move on hiding stuff. You have to do a deep clean and I don't like deep cleans, but my wife does, though. You know, you got to clean everything out, you know, and I mean, everything has to come out, so you can then see, okay, this is all the stuff that I got. And more than likely, I don't need all that stuff. And so maybe, again, that's what God needs to do, is you need a fresh start for 2019. You need to abandon some airwaves that God has been, the devil has been using to get a hold of you in your life, and you're ready to snipe you, Right? So three ways of a, a, a tribulation. But a tribul- tribulation accomplishes patience. I mean, Paul says uh, a patient in tribulation. And, and patience is, is waiting on God to fulfill his, his promise. You know, Jesus said it himself in John sixteen thirty three. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have what? Tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I heard a preacher say that sometimes we want the victory of the empty tomb, but we don't want the agony of Good Friday. We want the glory without the story. Right? We want to shoot like whatever, Steph Curry, but we don't want to do all the practice shots. Right? We want to look like these make-believe girls online, but we don't want to go do the things they do or buy the $1,000 makeups that they got. There's all this false stuff that's, like, right in our face. And, you know, I, I really believe that with, with everything on, on social media, and I'm not blaming social media. Give me wrong. I, it's going to be a great tool. And I, but I think that what it does is it's caused us to really believe that we're missing something in life. Because you start seeing everybody else have something else that you don't have. You start, pe- you start seeing people at other places that you weren't invited to. You start going, you know, you, you start looking at people that look better. You think they look better. Their life looks better. They're eating better. Or they have a bigger house. And, and you start becoming and content about what you have, right? And then you start comparing what you have. And then you start becoming like, like, a, like a spoiled brat. Like you don't want, <laughs> you want something else. You need something more, right? You're not content. You know, growing up, if, if the guys didn't come by the house, I knew they were doing something else. Then when they came like the next day, like, hey, what's up? Where were you at? Oh, I was by this guy's house. Oh, okay, let's go uh, do something. There was no investigation. I'm going to find out your feed, bro. You were lying. You were over here. You guys were over there. You went to that movie without me. You went there. And I, and I, I, I don't care. But now, because it's thrown at you, it's like, oh, you know, I feel left out here for a minute. But I believe that it's just what we're seeing. And it's causing what? Turbulence inside of your life. Tribulation, right? James 5, 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. We are most Impatient with the promises of God. And I'm learning more about farming because I'm living out there, you know, and I'm starting to appreciate how, you know, when rain comes, it's a good thing. Because people are now getting, you know, their crop and everything is getting fed, their seed and all that kind of stuff. And it's a good thing because it starts this cycle. And it's just a reminder. See, to, a, to us, it's like, oh, man, I got nothing to do. But to a farmer, it's like, God is good. He's taking care of me. He's starting this whole process again like he said he would. And there's going to be sun. And, it's gonna, you know, it's this, this process, so it's our, our, our pers- uh, perspective can be off sometime. This is James 5, again, about being patient, and and we are most impatient with God's promises. But Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. His workmanship. His masterpiece. You know that rush ruins quality. Rush ruins quality. My wife and I have been watching this chef show. We like to watch cookie shows. If you guys follow me, I like to cook. I'll be eating all kinds of stuff. Um, But we watch the chef show, and it's like these chefs are like phenomenal. I mean, they're like the best chefs in the world. But put them on the clock and tell them you got one hour to make a dish that I'm telling you that I want it to taste like. And with the ingredients that I say, now they put up junk. They're doing all this kind of crazy stuff. They're looking crazy. They're screaming at each other. They come in there, and, and then they're trying to ex- excuse why, oh, the meat's not done. Or I forgot that whole ingredient over there on the other side. You know, It's because they were rushed. They, they, they were rushed. And it takes time to create perfectly balanced dishes. It takes time to create beautiful things with, with, with your hands. It takes time, hey, ladies, right, to get this. On um, point, right? It takes time to really think through those things. If you rush it, then you know because you know, hair's up like this, got the wrong shoe on, thumbs off, you know, it's because you, you were rushed. It, it it takes time for quality. Don't expect a gourmet burger at McDonald's. Why these fries taste like this? Because they, they were cooked three or four times already, that's why. It's junk but we're eating it. You know, it's, 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 we have this, no, our expectation changes. You know, be patient in tribulation. I know that at times you feel hopeless, but I'm telling you, there's something that God is doing there. He's creating something in you, which is himself. He wants you to look more like him. He doesn't want you looking like yourself. He wants you to endure because after this season of tribulation, you're going to grow in character, or you should grow in character. You're going to grow in faith. You're gonna grow in your understanding more of who God is. You're gonna grow in understanding of who you are, because you don't really know what you're made of until you go through some stuff. When you go through some stuff, you start to say, oh, "Okay, I'm not all that." Hey, I don't know how everybody's background is, but when we, it was time to like, "All right, guys, we're gonna go get these guys. We're gonna have a rumble." and everybody's running, you know, you see a crowd of guys coming at you, there's a crowd of guys going to, and and there's some guys, I don't know what it is, but there's like a trigger that just kicks on, they go crazy, Ah! and they just go in there, I was one of those guys, they just go in there, and then there's other guys that are like, (laughs) just watching, because you don't know what they're made out of until you're in the face of fire, you don't know what you're made out of until you go through something, you can really have it all together. You can have your theology right, your doctrine right, everything all good. And then the first trouble comes, you're running, just like anybody else would. You're questioning your faith. You're questioning God. You're questioning your marriage. You're questioning your, 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 your location. No, it, it's, it's, got, it's got to come. We need to embrace it, not say, oh, get away from me, Satan. No, like, bring it on, right? Because my hope is not in myself. My hope is in Christ. How you navigate your season of sowing determines your season of blessing. How you navigate your season of sowing determines your season of blessing. What are you, how are you dealing with this? I know it's tough. The walk ain't easy. Narrow path. You ever heard that in the Bible before? It's a narrow path. Few find it. I love when my son says that, Dad, the path is so narrow that I can't even stand on it. That's how narrow it is, right? Then he says, not only about rejoicing in hope and and being patient in tribulation, but then Paul says, hey, stay constant in prayer. Theo Moody says that the busier I am the longer I pray. The busier I am, the longer I pray. You know, Chuck Swindell says that the scariest thing about ministry is that you can learn to do it. The scariest thing about ministry is that you can learn to do it. I can teach you how to serve. I can teach you to open up your home and invite everybody in. I can teach you to, you know, share a couple verses and and do that. I can teach you, you know, to, hey, this is what you do with the kids to get out of line. I I can teach you how to usher. I I can teach you how to serve the community. I I can teach you how to visit the sick. But I hope I never teach you to do it on your own strength. This is an area that I struggle with myself, is self-sufficiency. Is starting to do it on my own Strength. Is starting to do things on my own. You know, me and my wife are starting to believe that burnout only happens because you were doing it. There's belief that says that Christians should never be burned out if they're doing it all in his strength. Because he's the one equipping them to do the work that he's called them to. But when we start to do it, we get busy. What do we do? We dump. We dump prayer. We dump dependency on God. We dump life. And we start to say, oh, I'm burnt out. I need a week off or a month off. And you know what? I need six months off. And then you don't see yourself like, Wow. Now I'm having time with God. This feels good. Why didn't you do that during the time you were serving? Because that's where we get our strength from. That's how we get our, our power from. And, and it's, it's being with God. It's, it's constant prayer. I was telling my wife, I don't even know what to say about prayer no more. I mean, I just, there's so many messages on it. So many. I mean, I just don't know what to say about it no more. It's like telling a person that wants to lose weight about nutrition. I don't know what to say no more about it, you know? Everybody's looking for the food that they love to eat still, and the pill that they can take, and you know, and it's just, I, I, it, there's no way around it anymore. I don't know what to say anymore about prayer. I, I just don't. All I know is that I've experienced that Christians that struggle with it early on I always struggle with it. They always struggle with this season of life where they go right back to doing it themselves, and they have a hard time praying, and then, it's, you know, then they get on fire for God, and then all of a sudden they're back cold again, and they're doing it on their own strength again, and there's turmoil in their life, and they're abandoning everything, and then they go right back into it. And it's this vicious cycle. It's like, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about prayer no more, guys. I mean, I was, I was trying to find something. I don't know what to say no more. You just got to get this. You know, reading your word is important. But to me, that's like food. You can go without reading your word. But prayer is like water. And you need that. Because you ain't going to be right right away. You start to feel oozy, dehydrated, weird up here. Blood's not feeling right. But the word, I feel like we'll read the word, and we're like, oh, I'm reading my word, and I'm posting scripture, and I, you know, I read a chapter and everything. But yeah, but are you depending on God. Are you depending on God or are you just showing off scripture? Let me tell you, God doesn't need any more theological ca- cafe geniuses. He doesn't need that anymore. All right? He needs people to say, yes, Lord, amen, and I'm going to go do this. Right? That's what he needs. Right? Seriously. I mean, if you, think, if you, if you study church history, they did not even have the whole Bible. They were, like, passing little letters around that only had, like, maybe three or four verses on it. And they're like, that's enough to get me going. I'm going hard for God, and I'm going to go stopping." and boom, I'm out of here. But here it's like, I got to teach you every single class, 101, 201, 401, and, you know, got to get you in a group. Got to make sure everybody calls you, posts you, everything. And it's like, come on. Time is going. Man, I love what Jeremy said. You know, this could be the last, the last year. Jesus could be coming in 2019. Praise God! You know I'm getting to a place in life where I'm just I'm just ready. <laughs> time is like this. I ain't got no time for, for nonsense. Like I, I just I just don't. Time is, is 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 very quickly going away. And I don't know if it's because of you know personally you're getting older and you start to see like whoa the window's getting like this, but at the same time, you start to see life differently. And you're like, Mom, we ain't got time to waste. We 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 gotta we gotta go. I just told you how many people are killing themselves out of hopelessness. We don't, we, don't need, we don't even need, well, we do need that, but, you know, street evangelism, it's a big thing still, right? But how about you just be, check with your neighbor, man. Find out what's going on with them. How are you doing? I got an elderly neighbor. I've been telling my wife I got to give her all our information because I just want to let her know that you're not by yourself right here. Got another neighbor. This is the first time that we moved where I intentionally uh, uh, announced myself to all my neighbors. I just wanted to make sure I knew them by face them see them and everything i just want to let them know i'm here i'm not trouble puerto rican over here in the neighborhood you know i ain't i ain't trouble and my kids ain't on the trouble if there's any noise then let me know I'll, I'll deal with it but I, i'm here right and i'm not here to cause trouble i'm here to, to help out you know and and, and it, we, sometimes we just want to reach the road but we can't even reach our neighbor because we don't like them right you don't want them knocking on your door just for anything you want them to call first schedule it in Right? Pencil it in your calendar and make sure that you're all good and everything's great. But no, I mean, the Christian life is messy. It really is. And this is being, being open. I mean, young people, a lot of the numbers that I learned about earlier is coming from people in school. High school and, and, and college. Man, it, you really need to be the hope. Like, express that. The, the hope that, that comes, in, be open about that. I have a hope in Christ. And share that with, with your fellow uh, students. But you know what? We're worried about what they're gonna think about us. You know, I don't want nobody to think I'm crazy. I don't. Want anybody... I mean, even here, like I don't. If I raise my hand, I raise my hand. If I scream, I scream. If I sit down, I sit down. But I don't really. I'm not really thinking about you guys. About that? I don't care what you think about me. How I worship? Because I'm. I'm. I'm done with that season already. Like what people think about me. I'm done with that. I got tired of trying to live two different lives. You know, trying to be this way at work, this way at home, this way with my, my, my entourage. I got tired. I'm, uh-uh. I, I am who I am, man. That's it. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a mess. I need his grace, his power, his mercy. I need the blood. Every day, I need to remind myself of the mess and what he took me on. I, I'm Tony. That's it. And if you don't like it, that's it, you know, there's, there's better people than me. I mean, a lot of, a lot of stuff. My, my nephew told me that. He, I told, he said, hey, are you a pastor? I said, no, I'm just a dad. He said, I, I said, you want to be a pastor? He goes, no, nah, I he's boring. <laughs> I told, I told him, hey, that's my life. It ain't real like glamorous. It's just, that's it. I just do what I got to do, and I do it every day. I try to do it every day. That, that, that's it, right? Sometimes, though, we have a delayed response. I'm supposed to be finishing real soon. We have a delayed response in prayer, and we start asking God what's going on. And I love what Adrian Rogers says, that with God, timing is more important than time God's timing is more important than time you know as a parent we know what we would like our child to have but we don't just give it to them because we know that they may not be ready for it right you know when your child is ready for whatever it is, the gift like you know when your child is ready to move from a Nerf gun to BB gun right if they keep hitting each other with the Nerf gun, it's probably not a good idea to give them a BB gun, right? Because <laughs> they'll probably start shooting each other with that. But, but you know, and sometimes we're asking God, like, why aren't you coming through? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Uh, he's going to, depending what it is, but he's going to in his timing, not our timing. Our job is to just wait on the promises of God. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. What's helpful to me is remembering yesterday's provision. Remember yesterday's provision. We're so forgetful. We just just really are so forgetful. But when we start to remember about God's goodness, I love what they were doing in worship today, it's like just stop and, and just remember, because we don't realize really what God has taken us from. We don't realize the things that he's done already in our life because maybe we're still too focused on the big thing you know we're we're thinking these little things have nothing to do with this big item that we want in our life but God will answer and he will answer to according to your faith but no matter if you have little faith or much faith we all need to wait on God and be patient for his promises Prayer defined. This is quoted by E.M. Bounds. He says that prayer defined is fundamentally the soul's dependence upon God. And every day in prayerlessness is a venture in functional atheism. So what he's saying is, We pray because we need God, but when we don't pray, we're saying we don't need God, and the atheist does the same thing. So when we're not praying and expressing that we need God, we're basically saying, I got this. That whole thing you did with your son on the cross, you did not even need to do that. I got this. And it's like, no, I needed that. I need you. There's no way to function without you. Let me ask you, if God were to answer all your prayers over the last 12 months, every single one of them, would the world change or just your world change? If God were to answer every single prayer that you started praying January 1st, 2018, would the world be changed or would just your world be changed? Are all your prayers about the bills you can't pay, what's going on at home, your kids, government, whatever it means? Is it all about your world? Or are there people associated, tagged to those prayers? Lord, save this brother at work. Use me to be a conduit of your grace. But save them. Save this student. Save this girl. Not so I can go out with her, but save her. She needs you, Jesus, right? Lord, work in this man's life. Not that I can get with him. You know, it's just, are we praying our neighbor, the community, our our leaders, our our world? I mean, what are we praying for? If God were to answer, and that's hard for me because I'm thinking, ah, there's a lot of me in those prayers, (laughs) a lot of my world, you know? But 2019, fresh start, fresh 12 months of prayer, Fresh new look at who we can pray for now and who we can see God's hand move. Pray. Consistently. Devote yourselves. Are we praying more than just finances, toys, friends, personal things? Are we praying for souls, people, gospel-tunities, acts of service? What are we praying for? I'm going to end with this. You like that, right? Everybody loves to hear I'm going to end with this. Right. But what was amazing about the story again in Thailand, and you see these guys, that are, you know, these kids that are just trying to stick it together and, and survive. And for me, I'm thinking like scuba diving and you know, getting into this cave, it's a no-brainer, man. Just get in there, get some gas tanks to these guys, and you know, get them out. But I didn't realize is that the way the cave that they were in and how far they were in is there were points where it was just like, like this, an up-and-down roller coaster. So there were moments where you will be totally submerged in water for maybe even a block, city block long, and then moments where you can come out of water, climb over, get back into the water, and then do it again. And so one Navy SEAL actually lost his life, but then they finally, two guys, two British guys, finally got get to these kids and told them, Is there, how many are with you guys? And they told them there's 13 of us, and so they accounted for everybody. But now they had to figure out a way to beat the water from continuing on because now it was the monsoon season, and they had rain just keep coming, just keep coming. It was just kept flooding, and so they have started pumping out the water as well, keep going. But what I didn't realize is that the hardest part was trying to get kids that have never scuba-dived to learn how to breathe. You know, I, I did snorkeling with my wife. It was a failed excursion. <laughs> failed and I was too prideful to let the guys know that I've never scuba dived because I didn't want like a punk on this boat. So when I, jumped, when I jumped in, I just started breathing like anything. I think like in the, like in the TV shows and movies like, but I didn't realize I was in the water already. So I, and I was like, oh, and I'm coughing and then I opened up my eyes and I started pulling this off and this, the salt is in my eye. I'm burning and everything's screaming, drowning. And so I'm thinking now, I can understand now about these young guys like, because they're going to take them into a place where they're already haven't eaten. They're not physically right. And, and mentally, who knows where they're at. And so now they've they got to they trust a person they've never met to take them two miles in and out of water and be able to learn how to breathe without panicking. Because the minute they start taking water, now they've got to save that kid. And, and, and the next opportunity that they have to get back above water. And they're on a timeline. They had a window they set up about eight hours before the whole thing was just going to be completely submerged. So I'm thinking, like, how did they do this? Right? But what they said is, what they came up, they had to teach them first how to breathe. The Navy Sisters were telling them, this is how you breathe on the water. Take it easy. They kept practicing that, kept practicing that. As they're getting ready, they kept practicing it. And they put two people with them one to lead the way and and help with action, the other one to be behind just to help help out and, and process them through that. But they got every single one of those kids out, safe because they were with them through the whole time. They've been through the cave already, so they know how to get back out. They have experience in this type of training. And they were teaching them now on how to survive in this way. Maybe in 2019, we need people like that in our life. People that have gone through the storm. People that have walked through the valley, and maybe they're in one now still, but they've been through the one you're in. And they can take you by the hand, Not just tell you, it's going to be okay, brother. It's going to be okay, sister. No, they can take you by the hand and show you, hey, I went through this. I'm going to help you walk through this. And we're going to get through this together. Because affliction is going to come. And my experience has been that you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or going right back into one. And that is the training process of sanctification. And God has enlisted us through the blood of Jesus Christ. His mission is to reach the world, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the power and authority of the Holy Spirit gives us that action to do that. We can live that out by believing in Jesus, by trusting in him, by trusting in God's perfect plan. Let's stand. Let us... Look to God, to Jesus, for hope. Let us look to Jesus to be present with us in our trial. Let us look to him and pray for his power through the season that we're in. You know, the world was rejoicing around what happened with these young boys this team that was just stuck in the cave. And as they started bringing them out one by one, you started to see a rejoice happening around the world. Just this is feel-good feeling, this great story. And I'm going to take the words from a modern-day artist that says that hope is alive today because he is alive today. The stone is rolled away. Death has been defeated in his grave. Yes, hope is alive today because he is alive today. No matter what we face, we will overcome in Jesus' name because hope is alive today join us in this last song for the Lord. And prayer counselors, I'm going to ask you to take your post. And if you're at a season in your life of hopelessness, if you're at a season in your life where you let yourself down and you feel like, Lord, I need a new start for 2019, I want to put to death 2018. I'm looking forward to this new year. If you have had a prayer list all about yourself and your household, and you're like, Lord, help me to have a bigger mindset for the world, a bigger vision for the world, and not just for my own home. Ask one of the prayer counselors here to pray with you on those things. They're not here just to stand here and for the people that, you know, oh, they, got it. they don't have it together, so they're going for prayer. No, it's like we don't got it together. We need prayer. And we need others to pray for us. And God has given us his word today talking about rejoicing in hope and only his hope alone be patient in your tribulation i know that you want to get out of it but hey it's it is the process and then be constant in prayer let's start 2019 with prayer right worship before the lord